You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. The biggest challenge today is the toxic emotion of worry, anxiety, fear. It is the number one mental disorder in America today. They have different names for this. Panic attack, anxiety disorder, traumatic stress disorder. It affects the heart. It affects your blood pressure. It affects your immune system. It affects your stomach. That's why many people have ulcers. And if this is prolonged, eventually, it has been proven, it shortens life. It causes unnecessary early death. But what is more serious about this topic is the reality that toxic emotions will not only harm your physical health, it will harm your relationships with the people around you, your family members. It will also harm your relationship with God. This topic is so relevant today, especially among family members. It has been proven anxious parents will inevitably produce anxious children. Children copy the worries and the anxieties of parents. Therefore, it is extremely important that parents understand they need to learn to manage these toxic emotions called anxiety, worry. Because the way you handle issues, problems, your own worries will impact your children. God's desire is for us to have healthy emotions. Let me repeat. Not all emotions are bad. But here are the extremes. Why are we talking about emotions? To me, emotions is something that was invented by God. It is what makes us human. The only question is this. Do you have positive emotions or do you have negative emotions? And how do you deal with emotions? For some people, they deny. They think it is not important at all. They don't deal with emotions. For the other extreme, you allow emotions to control you. Both are not healthy. The beginning of the series is called Overcome Anxiety. Assume personal responsibility. There are four R's I'd like you to remember. The first R is realize we all struggle with anxiety. Number two, go to the root problem. Number three, recalibrate your thinking. And lastly, you must recognize God. Let's begin with Psalm 42. It deals with the reality of anxiety of worry. It begins by telling us the heart of the author. We don't know who the author was, but he says the following. As the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul pants for you, O God. What the author is saying is, Lord, I long for you. As the deer is thirsty for water, Lord, I thirst for you. Look at verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Here is a description of a good man. He longs for God. Notice, 
what he tells us. The reality of problems. He talks about his tears. My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? You see, you must realize all of us struggle with negative emotions. You know what was the author's problem? He was being attacked. Where is your God? What kind of God do you have? The author continues. These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. He now remembered the good old days. Sometimes when you remember the good old days, your anxiety will increase. Your sadness will increase. He said, I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession in the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. The author apparently was a song leader. He was a worship leader. He said, I used to attend worship services. If those were good times, but notice, you must realize, you must admit, we do struggle with worry and anxiety. Look at verse 5. He now asks, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. This phrase, why are you in despair, O my soul? First, you have to realize there's a problem. He realized he was struggling with what? Anxiety, worry. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? So first principle is to humble yourselves and admit, realize there are issues you struggle with. Many people will not want to admit they are into denial. When you are into denial, how can you grow? How can you improve? Once you're willing to admit, then and only then can you move forward. And that's why in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus knew the disciples were struggling with anxiety, with worry. That's why he told them, do not be anxious. Grammatically, what is Jesus saying? Do not be anxious about your what? Food, clothing, shelter. Jesus is saying, stop being anxious. In order to be helped, you need to realize you are struggling with this. In the past, I did struggle with worry, anxiety. What do I mean? When I first got married, I have a lovely wife, young family, CCF has not started yet. Something happened to our family business. My father used to own the largest textile mill, and we put up a chemical plant to supply the raw material. It's one of those amazing projects. But believe it or not, I got kicked out of our own company. I was fired from my own job. It affected me emotionally. I was thinking, how can I provide for my family? How can I provide for our future? By the grace of God, God helped me overcome anxiety. And that's why I want to share these principles with you. Realize it. Number two, root problem. You go to the root. How do you go to the root? In Psalm 42, the author repeated many times, talking to himself. He repeated, Why are you in despair, O my soul? 
why have you become disturbed within me? When you ask the question, why? Why deals with root problem. Many times we are superficial. We don't deal with root issue. Beware of superficiality. I remember years ago when I stepped on something on the beach and I thought all I needed to do was to put some antiseptic and then the wound in my foot will get well. But you know the reality? It did not get well. Before I knew it, I saw some infection. And I realized this is serious. I cannot just put antiseptic. Then I discovered the root problem. You know what was the root problem? There was a tiny splinter that got into my foot. And I realized until that splinter is removed, my foot will not heal. The truth is many times we deal with problems superficially. We think the problem is because of others. We think the problem is because of circumstances. You will not resolve your problem until you go to the root. Beware of blaming others. I remember this father, which I've been ministering to, a successful businessman. At that time, he was not in CCF. But by the grace of God, I was able to counsel him. He was complaining about his wife. He was complaining about his family. When I told him, do you know your root problem? You see, he could never see that the root problem was himself. It took years. Finally, he said, Peter, I finally got it. The problem with my family is not my wife. It's me. Now, by the grace of God, he's growing. When I counsel people, rule number one, you got to let them realize there's an issue. Second, you got to go to the root, the why. You got to ask them, what is causing this problem? I practiced this in my life. I remember years ago, when somebody criticized me, I was disturbed. I was bothered. But then I learned to ask why. Why are you disturbed, Peter? Why are you bothered when somebody criticizes you? As I asked myself the why, I began to discover many times it's because of my pride. You see, pride will cause us to become defensive. Pride will cause us to be angry. And then the Lord will talk to me. The Lord said, Peter, humble yourself. Ask yourself the following questions. Why? Why do you feel this way? Emotions is the window of our soul. It reveals to us what's going on. Are you aware that your spiritual health and your emotional health are interrelated? Many times, people don't understand what is spiritual maturity. They think of spiritual maturity as Bible study head knowledge. I now submit to you. Spiritual maturity has everything to do with emotional maturity. Imagine a Bible teacher. He knows a lot. But then when he's criticized, he loses temper. He throws a tantrum. He reacts. Is that person spiritually mature or not? Spiritual maturity is the ability to manage and control your emotions. And that's why this topic is important. 
you need to understand what is causing the trigger. Why are you always angry? Why are you always worried? And as you go deeper and deeper, you will go to the root problem. And before you know it, God will speak through your heart, through His Word, and you will learn to listen. Next, recalibrate. Recalibrate means what? You have to renew your thinking. It is so powerful. Because what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's what the Bible is saying. What you think will impact your emotion. It will impact your action. But the battle is in the mind. What do I mean? Let's look at the Bible. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Paul is now talking about the reality of spiritual warfare. We do not war. The word war is what? A reality of battle. There's a battle going on right now. There's a war ongoing right now which your eyes don't see. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to listen very well. Right now, at this very moment, there's a war going on in your mind. It's called spiritual warfare. He's saying, we are destroying speculations, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You must learn to control the thought life. Meaning, don't allow Satan to plant thoughts in your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not allow yourselves to be influenced by the values of the world. Do not be conformed by the world, by others. Be transformed. That is a command. Allow yourselves to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You now assume responsibility for the renewing of your mind. And how do you renew your mind? You have to examine and recalibrate your thinking. Are they biblical? Are they truth? Or are they worldly values? Are they your opinion? You have to recalibrate your thinking through God's word because truth is crucial in thinking. Wrong thinking produces what? Wrong emotions. Do you all recall the T principle, T-E-A? Thinking is going to affect your emotion and your emotion will affect your action. That is why you need to recalibrate your thinking properly. If you allow the devil to say, you will always be a failure because in your past, your parents said you are a failure. If you allow those thoughts to enter your mind, you'll be thinking you will never succeed. If you believe in the lies of Satan, that God does not have your best interests at heart, you're worried about marriage, you're worried about your career. If you begin worrying about this thing, guess what will happen? You will now interpret everything that happens to you as something negative. You will never consider that disappointments can be God's way of protecting you, God's way of blessing you. So be careful how you think. Wrong thinking is going to produce wrong emotion and wrong emotion will produce wrong action. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 10, the Bible tells us it happened that the king of the Ammonites died and Hanun, his son, became king. So here is the background of the story. King David wanted to console the son of the king of Ammonites because the king, the father, died and the son, Hanun, became king. So what was David's motive? David said in verse 2, I will show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nahas, just as his father showed kindness to me. David sent some of his servants to console him concerning his father. I want you to notice something. In this story, the motive of David was very good. The motive of David was to console. You know, in Filipino, we have this culture. When somebody dies, you want to drop by. You want to console them. You want to give your condolence. You want to comfort. That's exactly what David did. He sent a delegation. But what happened? Instead of accepting the consolation, the love and the kindness of David, the Bible tells us something happened. Notice that phrase, but when David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites, look at the next verse, the princess of the Ammonites said to Hanun, their lord, do you think that David is honoring your father because he has sent consolers to you? Has David not sent his servants to you in order to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? In short, they planted evil thoughts in the mind of the son. But the son did not evaluate the thoughts. The son did not put it in a suspense file. He did not ask questions. He jumped to the conclusion. What was the conclusion? What did Hanun do? He took David's servants, shaved off half of their beards, cut off their garments in the middle as far as their hips, and sent them away. In short, what did Hanun do? Hanun embarrassed the representatives of David. He insulted them. And guess what happened after this? That's the problem. Wrong thinking will lead into wrong conclusion, wrong emotion, wrong action. Would you believe it? A war followed after this event. Imagine a useless war. That was caused by vain imagination. The Bible is very clear. The Bible tells us, judge not and be not judged. You need to recalibrate your mind. Stop judging. Stop being critical. Look at verse 6. When the sons of Ammon saw that they become odious to David, the sons of Ammon sent and hired Arameans. In other words, this is called confirmation bias. If you think somebody does not like you, that's in your mind. You are judging the person. Every action that he will do, you can interpret it as what? Not being nice to you. Even if he smiles at you, you'll be thinking, look at his smile. He's sneering at me. Wrong thinking will lead to wrong emotion and it will lead to wrong action. Can you imagine because of vain imagination, because of wrong thinking, a war broke out unnecessarily and over 40,000 people died. What a tragedy. 
And this is what happens when you do not guard your thinking, you don't recalibrate your thinking, it will cause a lot of damage. In my case, I've learned to have a suspense file. If I don't understand something, I cannot figure it out. I don't jump to conclusion. I have learned and I refuse to jump to conclusion. I have to check, is this true, is this not true? Recalibrate. You have to renew your mind based on what the Bible is saying. Be responsible for what you think. I remember years ago, my wife was telling my son, you are making me angry. And my son told my wife, Mom, you taught me. Nobody can make you angry. You choose to be angry, Mom. Nobody can make you irritable. You choose to be irritable. How true it is. For me, I have a choice. I can count the blessing. I can focus on the truth about God and, and trust the situation to the Lord and I can learn to relax or I can be worried. I can focus on what may happen tomorrow. I can focus on all the possibilities of what may go wrong. You have a power to choose. And that power for me is a gift from God. And that's why God wants us to recalibrate our mind. And lastly, just like the psalmist saying, you have to recognize God in your life. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to trust God. It's one thing to believe that God exists, but it is another thing to practice, to recognize His presence. To recognize God is simply this. I do my best with what is within my control. And what is outside my control? I surrender that to God. What does it mean to recognize God? To recognize God means I accept my limitation. I cannot control everything. I cannot change people. Accept your limitation. Assume responsibility for what is within your control. After doing your best, surrender everything else to the Lord. Trust Him. If you keep trying to control others, if you keep trying to control how they should react, how they should respond, you will become a nervous wreck. You will be a difficult person to live with. You will always be angry. And above all, you will always be anxious and worried and you will become toxic. And that, my friend, is the meaning of toxic emotion. You hurt others by the way you respond. Learn to rest in the Lord. Learn to entrust to Him the things that worry you. Entrust to Him your loved ones, your family members, including your past, that He will do something supernatural to make it better. But you got to do your part. Pray, give thanks, and rest. Here is the formula of dealing with anxiety. Recognize God. When you recognize God, what do you do? You pray. When you recognize God, you learn to give thanks. Are you thankful? Do you give thanks? The Bible says in everything, give thanks. People who don't know how to give thanks are always worried. They're always anxious. Can I tell you something? When you learn to give thanks in advance, just like what the Bible is telling us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving. What is the promise of God? He says, and the peace of God. Notice His peace, which surpasses all comprehensions. 
It will surpass your thinking. It will guard. It will protect your hearts. It will protect your minds in Christ Jesus. Many years ago, I attended the leadership training in Arrowhead Spring, California. In that training, I heard the story of Dr. Bill Bright. He talked about a staff member whose fiance died the day before the wedding. She felt so bad. She could not sleep. She tried medication. She tried counseling. She took pills, but she, she was a wreck. Then she went to see Dr. Bill Bright. And Dr. Bill Bright asked her in love and compassion, have you ever thanked the Lord for what happened to your fiancé? You can imagine the reaction of this girl. She said, how can I thank the Lord? He's supposed to be my husband. And God took him away. Dr. Bright said, well, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever thanked the Lord? I'll make a long story short. This girl cried in tears. And then she thanked the Lord. The next day, she called up Bill Bright immediately. She said, Sir, for the first time, I slept like a baby. I had perfect peace. What's the lesson? God promised us if we recognize Him, if we entrust our dilemmas, our worries to Him, He tells us the peace of God will protect us. The moment you thank God, you are saying, Lord, I trust you. The moment you thank God, you are saying, Lord, I don't understand why this thing happened to me, but I thank you. I know you have the best plan for my life. To recognize God is to realize that God is in control. That's why Romans 8.28 is foundational. Romans 8.28 tells us God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. This has impacted my life. I'm learning that including my past, including my mistakes, including what others have done, God can cause it to work together for good. And that can only happen if I surrender my past. Psalm 138 verse 8, it says, God will accomplish all things that concerns me. What an assurance. Now, when you surrender your life to God, He's going to accomplish all things concerning you, including how long you will live, including who you will marry, including the problems you are facing now. But the only way to overcome fear and anxiety is to recognize God. Trust Him. Let's hear the testimony of the power of trusting God when it comes to overcoming sadness, loneliness. Let's hear our friend, Mr. Henry C. While many people celebrated after watching you in your testimony in church, how you found Christ, is, I would have to say, a few months after, is your daughter passed away? Yes. How are you today? How are you today, big boy? It's, of course, the most... Uh, 
uh, saddest and the most painful things that ever happened in my life. And um, right before it happened, we were every day we enjoy being close to my daughter, and my my wife, family, and life is a blessing. But it, we took everything for granted. And all of a sudden, everything changed with an unexpected departure of my dear daughter, Jana. And left me thinking, what is life all about? Death will come sooner to anybody and uh, all your loved ones. And sorrow will surely be with us when it comes. This made me think, if there's no living hope in Jesus, life is entirely meaningless. Did you ask God why? Why, Lord? Why? Well, yes, in a way, yes. But I was praying more for a miracle to happen. And uh, because I read also uh, in the Bible, the book of Job, the Lord... He gives and He takes. And blessed is His name. So I just stick to that. But you never, a big boy, went through a period of blaming the Lord? No, I, I did not feel that. But uh, because I trust in the Lord completely and lean not on your own understanding. How did you do that? Just trust in the Lord. You know, you know, it was really so painful and it made us cry and cry. And, oh. and even something like up to now. But uh, we just completely trust in the Lord. Just hold our each other's hand and trust in the Lord. Wow. Did you go through a period of self-blame? Yeah, no. I, because I trust the, the, the Lord has the, the best, uh, He has the best intention for all of us. Even if it's to take away, I'm sure there's a reason for that. In, like in Isaiah 57, it is written that uh, he protects his his uh, his flocks. Big boy, if you did not know Christ, do you believe kakayanin mo to? No. I think uh, I would be a total wreck by now. Because we were so close. What do you miss most about her? Is it the conversations? Was she a Christian also? She was very firmly with the Lord. And maybe the Lord wants her to be home already. You know, these are things that are we call sorrowful joy. We feel very sorrowful about her, about her departure, missing her so much. But the joy is that we know exactly where she is today with the Lord, which is Christ in heaven. And that is the joy. And then someday... I know that we're all be reunited together. So there's a sorrowful and there's a joy in life. I mean, those words, sorrowful joy, they're so opposite. It's either they feel sorrow or they feel joy. But sorrowful joy is uniquely felt by someone who clearly has hope, faith, yes. that even if you don't see where they are, you know that they're in a better place. That, that's what we call the living hope because Christ is resurrected and we will be resurrected also someday. You will notice how Mr. C processed the death of his daughter, how he processed his disappointments. The truth is he knows that God knows everything, that God wants what's best for us, and that God loves him, God loves his family, and God knows what is best. God's time is best. And that's the meaning of trusting God. If you are still struggling with worry, with anxieties, I'd like to help you. Perhaps you have not realized you need help. Perhaps you have not gone to the root problem. Or perhaps your mind has to be recalibrated with truth. 
or the most important, you have not recognized. Only God can solve your problem. Only God is bigger than your problem. So I like us to pray together by surrendering your life to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come before you recognizing that I do struggle with anxiety, with worries. Today, I surrender to you all my worries, all my anxieties. I surrender to you my life, my future. I know you love me. I know that nothing is impossible with you. I know you know what's best. So I give you my life. I invite you today, Lord Jesus, to come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your gift of eternal life. Change my heart. I accept your peace, knowing that you are in control. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.